Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Uh, this morning, we're going to continue in our series, Jesus Reigns Supreme. Uh, and as I give you guys a moment to get your uh, scripture ready, we're going to be in Hebrews 10, 1 through 18. And again, as Pastor Steve has graciously said, my name is Ramon. I'm a pastoral resident here at Renewal Church of Chicago. And I absolutely love this place because of you guys. So take that as a compliment. I hope you guys feel my love for you guys because I genuinely and truly feel loved by you guys. And so as we get started, as you guys are still finding your way there, uh, let me just take a moment quickly to say thank you to our pastors, Pastor Steve, Pastor Derek, who have allowed me this opportunity that have spent hours and, and days just loving on me and helping me continue to grow in this beautiful responsibility of sharing God's word. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, not every church is blessed with some awesome preachers, and Renewal has uh, two of the best in the city, if I can say. Call me biased, but I'll say it. Amen? Yeah. Uh, and so as I get to learn from them, I'm so grateful, so thank you guys. And then as she will come later in the day, I have to thank my wife because she loves me through this all. She allows me to study and be crazy and ask her a thousand questions, and she continues to encourage me to run to God daily. So I'm so grateful for her. So as you guys have had time to find Hebrews 10, 1 through 18, would you, and if you are able, stand to your feet as we read God's word together. Amen? Awesome. And it reads this way, Hebrews 10, 1 through 18, for since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true forms of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered? Since the worshipers, having once been clean, would no longer have any consciousness of sin. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Uh, consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, verse 6, or 5, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have not taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written for me of me. In the scrolls of the book, when he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in the sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered according to the law. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that, we, uh, by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice of sin, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from the time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And God and the Holy Spirit also bears witness to this. For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their heart and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Family, pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. God, right now, I ask that you would decrease me and that you would be increased, God. That as my mouth opens, that it would speak and share your truth that makes much of you. That our hearts would be encouraged and challenged as we look at the mirror of scripture. I pray that this time 
would continue to grow your church to look more like you, Jesus. I pray that in your mighty name. When your church says amen. Family, go ahead and take a seat. So again, as we are continuing in our series of Jesus reigns supreme, we find ourselves in Hebrews 10, and it follows up really kind of the swing of what Pastor Steve was preaching about last week, where we were talking about the blood of Jesus, right? This blood, there had to be some bloodshed for the sake of punishment actually being uh, fulfilled, right? We serve a holy and just God. If you have had a crime committed against you, we all desire justice, don't we? And in that same way, the law demands justice. And so that justice, as we see in Genesis, when, when, when God was speaking to Abraham or uh, to Adam and Eve, we see that he says that the punishment of sin is death. So there had to be blood. And so this portion of text, this, this section of Hebrews is leaning into a space that is really talking about how Jesus is the better. We have heard him talk about how he is better than the Old Testament uh, tabernacle, right? We've heard that he is better than the old bloodshed that has been from past time of animals being shed, right? And so we continue on in that same way of how Jesus is better than the Mosaic law by looking at the sacrifice of Jesus. That's where we lean in today. And so the text is being written to Jewish uh, Christians who are struggling. Should I go back? This is, that mo- All right. this is that moment in life when you are scrolling through Facebook and you see that X and you're like, man, they ain't looking too bad. Maybe, man, they look like they're getting their life together. Maybe, maybe there is still something there. Or that job you've left a long time ago and you're like, man, it would have just been nice to stay there. These Jewish Christians find themselves in a place where they're like, man, Judaism is accepted. It's nice. I know what to do there. It would be really convenient to go back. And so the Hebrew uh, writer, the book, of, the book of Hebrews is that friend that kind of brings you back to reality. Don't, don't go there. Don't go back to that dark Space, that relationship was no good for you, that job was no good for you, that sacrifice, those ways of your old doing, your religious ways are no good for you. Let me remind you of the goodness of Jesus. And so today I want to preach from this text as I've titled it, Once and for All. Once and for All. When I was a young man, I was about 10 years old, and my mom got me this really awesome gift. She, uh, you might not know this, I'm a simple man now, but I used to love shoes and clothes. Like I was, a, I was a little bit of a heavier set kid, so I had to make sure I was fresh. And my mom, I don't know if you guys remember this brand, but my mom, at the time, it was it. Was it. My mom bought me this, for my birthday, this South Pole. Y'all remember South Pole? (laughs) Yeah, you do. This South Pole, like, it was like a short and shirt, but it was like a a track suit. Like, it was, but it was shorts, you know, it wasn't the, like, long pants. And it was, it had these two stripes down it, and it was, like, two different colored blues, but it was all white, y'all. All All white. She got an all white, like, track suit for a 10-year-old kid. And I thought I was doing it. I put this thing on. I feel so good. I'm like, everybody's going to see me because I was so bright, literally, as white as I was. But you know when you wear white, you are, like, you are just so conscious of just anything that can get you dirty. And so what my mom did was she also got me a little Tide pen. She's like, you go ahead and carry this around with you. And I'm going to be honest, Tide pens are, <laughs> I have never had success with a Tide pen, okay? So... But I walked around with caution, but I had to be out there because I needed people to see me. And so I was out there because I was fresh. And I remember I went outside and there was like this open lot where we would play at. And I, you know, I'm walking in my white shoes and I'm like not trying to crease them. And I get out there and I'm out there for like a good 30 minutes and 
I'm, I'm like, I'm good. People have saw me. I'm going to go back inside. I get inside. And I'm, man, I have to tell you, I must have had the biggest stain of dirt on my leg. I was so heartbroken. The reality is it was about a speck of dirt this big, but on a white outfit, it feels this big, right? And so I come home and I'm heartbroken and my mom's like, don't worry, I got a solution for this. So she cleans it and she comes back and she brings this bottle out and it's uh, Scotchgard. You guys know what Scotchgard is? It's that spray you put on something so that if anything falls on it, it kind of just falls right off of it. It doesn't stain, it doesn't seep in or anything. Family, my mom took a, she went from a Tide pen to Scotchgard. She went from a temporary solution to something more permanent. I was able to go outside, stay out a little longer, play in places in that, that white tracksuit. So terrible. But when it was covered in that scotch guard, I had no worry. Because there was a permanent solution that was going to cover me. And as we step into this text, there's a very clear understanding that Scripture is making There's a lens that I want us to look at and understand that what Jesus did was not temporary, but permanent. So if we can set some lenses on today and maybe you find yourself here and you're like, you're tired. You've worked really hard to make sure you've been doing really well so that God can look at you and understand why he saved you. I want God to know I'm a good person. Or maybe you're doing really well in your walk and you're, 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 you're growing in your faith. And maybe this will just be a healthy reminder that we do not stand on what we do, but we stand on what Christ has done for us. Or maybe you're new and you're like, I'm just checking this out. What, what's the big hype about Christianity? Wherever you may find yourself, my hope is that as we look at Hebrews 10, 1 through 18, that the word would begin to illuminate the truth that no matter what sin we have, there is nothing that can stand in our way from a relationship with God. There is nothing, no sin that can stand in our way from a relationship with God because of what Christ has done. And so the lens that we will look at this text is, this is my big idea. This is what we are drawing from the passage is that Jesus' sacrifice has done what the law could not by providing a full forgiveness of sins. By fully forgiving our sins. As we've seen the different spaces that uh, we've walked through uh, in the last chapters of Hebrew, we have seen this constant of being reminded, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. So simply, when we look at this text, Jesus is the better sacrifice. Amen? I got three points that we're going to walk through in this text, and then I'm going to Get out of your way so we can continue to worship him. My first point this morning is a temporary system, a temporary system. Second is a permanent solution. And third, a beautiful salvation. Amen? All right, family. I need you to join me in verse one. We're going to start right there. So this morning, as we look at this, a temporary solution. Now, the Old Testament law was put in place for a very clear reason. It was put in place because God made a covenant with us, his people, the Israelites. I say us because of the church. But he made a covenant with the Israelites, and they couldn't keep it. They couldn't hold it together. 
They had one job. Just, just one job, y'all. And so when we find ourselves in the first text, it says something right off of the bat. For since the law has but a shadow, a shadow is something that represents something, right? Like a shadow on your body tells something about you, but it ain't you. And so in this, we have to understand that the law was temporary. It was a space in time, a system God put in place because he made a covenant that he would be their God and they would be his people, but they quickly forgot and they wandered and they walked away and they didn't listen. They didn't acknowledge. And so when we find them in the book of Exodus, God's people are slaves and they need to be rescued and the law is given to say, if we are going to have relationship, these are the things that are going to keep us in that space. But the law was only a taste of what was to come. When we look at verse 2, it's a rhetorical question. It says, otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered? We're talking about sacrifices here. Like if they were really the end-all, be-all, wouldn't they have stopped already? And verse 3 tells us a very real truth. But in the, these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins. That shedding of blood that had to be the punishment for sin was reminding us that there was a need for blood to be shed because the people that God had chosen had continued to walk away. There had to be something better. And God spoke through the prophets that there would be something better. But until that better arrived, he put the law in place. And as they tried to keep it, they continued to fail. They tried to do good and they continued to fail. They were easily swayed to the left and to the right. But the law was just a shadow, a taste of what was to come. When we look at the law, we understand that it was the means by which we can keep relationship with this holy and perfect God. And so this temporary system was going to be replaced by something better. But it sounds kind of confusing because if God put it in place, why, why would he have to do away with it? The law brings us to our understanding that you and I can never be good enough. And now I know that's a shot to our pride. I know that's really hard because it's like, I do good things. I give to charities. Things are going, you know, I, I'm, I'm that person that goes above and beyond for other people. I'm a great friend. I don't complain. But even then, we still fall short. Even on the outside, when things look good, we still deal with this corrosive thing inside of us called a heart of flesh that is bent and pulled to walk away from God. And so the law gave us a temporary system to ensure that we can still stand before God. And so every year there would be this day of atonement, this day where the high priest would go in and he would walk in with the blood for uh, a request of pardoning for that year's sins. That's why at the end of that verse one, by that same sacrifice as they are continually offered every year, it can never make perfect those who draw near. There was a reminder of sin. The reason why you have to go into the holy of holies, that high priest covered in blood for your sake and my sake, for the Israelites' sake, is because we continue to get it wrong. But God, so loving, that saw the justice that needed to be met, responded in a way that he can still have relationship with a broken people. And that's where the law found its place. A set of rules that we could follow in order to be there. 
So I should still be able to stand knowing that there has been punishment for sin and we have been pardoned to some extent. Pardoned to some extent, but not the full extent. This reminds me, I don't know if you guys have ever been to Pennsylvania, but there's a, there's a, a town in Pennsylvania called Johnstown, and they're quite famous, not for good things. But in the late 1800s, I think my brother Tim works around water and stuff, so I feel like he knows this already. But in the late 1800s, they were a wealthy community, and what happened was they all got together and said, we're going to build a lake for ourselves off of this abandoned dam. If something's abandoned, it may, it may be a little shaky. Just, just understand that, right, from the beginning. And so they fill this lake, and they begin to utilize this dam. And what they do is they, th this is a pleasure lake. This is a lake where you're looking at the, the, the best of the best. They're, they're using it for sailing, and they're using it for game-type fishing, but like high-end game fishing. And so what they do is, is that they take this dam, they cover the spillways, and they put these uh, filters so that the fish couldn't escape. Y'all, it was their lake. They spent this money. Kind of makes sense, right? Spent some money on something, you want to keep it. But they began to see over the years that the dam was actually beginning to, like, crumble. And so many, like, of the... Uh, and like uh, state inspectors would come and they would let them know this is dangerous. This is a hazard. And so what they did was is they went <clears throat> and they started cleaning out the debris from the, the filters to keep the, the fish in from the emergency spillover spaces. And they were like, okay, we'll just clean it. And they told the people in the town, like, be aware of this. And year after year, as they cleaned the debris and nothing ever happened, they just let it be. But late May of like 86, 1886, there had been a couple days of really bad rainfall. And their temporary idea of let's just clean these filters out did not keep back the 22 million tons of water that came crashing down. that killed over 2,200 people in the towns of John, Johnstown. What needed a permanent solution could not be met by a temporary system. The lives of 2,200 people tell us that. And more intensely, when we look at Scripture, that temporary system could not remove the sins of all humanity. There had to be something more permanent. But until we get there, let me ask you a question. How have we put temporary systems in our lives? What good things do we lean into to say, this gets me favor with God? Or maybe it's the ashamed comparison game we play. I'm not that bad because brother so-and-so has done this. What systems do we put in our, in our lives to keep us in a good place with God? Air quotations. You know what that means, right? Air quotations. I mean, it ain't what you think it is. What systems do we put there that make us believe a lie that we are in good standing with God? I want us to move deeper into this passage because God so lovingly looks at that temporary system and says, I love my people enough to give them something more permanent. And so as we see that this was just a taste of what was to come, a taste of a full, more intimate, more authentic relationship with God where there would be no boundary, no barrier between us and the Father, where sin would be fully dealt with, 
The law and the sacrifice of animals could not do it. Verse 4 says, For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. It's impossible. Then what shall we do, God? I have gotten the best goat that I can find. There is no spot or blemish on him, right? That's a foreshadowing of what it would have taken to remove sin. This perfect sacrifice. But this animal, no animal was ever able to have the blood, the perfection, the acceptance that it would take to remove all sin from humanity. What a cruel God that can seem to give, a, to give us a temporary solution. But in his love, he responds. He goes from temporary to something permanent. So follow me into the permanent solution. In verse 5, it says, Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, he's quoting Isaiah 53, or I'm sorry, he's quoting Psalm 46 through 9. Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the books. God steps in to a space that no, no animal could ever step into. No good deeds could ever step into. The need for justice to be fully satisfied in a right punishment of sins, God stepped in and said, I'll, I'll take care of it. I got this. So he sends his son, Jesus, through the prophets. They talk about this over and over. There's going to come one who is the uh, savior. There's one who his body, <clears throat> his body will be given for me. This wasn't just like a response out of nowhere. God prepped our hearts and allowed us to see that the law could never do. The law would never be good enough. Have you ever seen a child that is in debt to a parent? Oh, it's something special. They, they walk in a certain way. You know, they want to keep that relationship. They know that there's something there, right? They don't ask for things as much as they normally do. When they know they're in debt to a parent, at least my children, my daughter, she'll look and she'll, she's like, I, I normally would walk in and ask for 10 things. I'm just going to ask for two because I know I'm in debt here. God so lovingly wanted nothing in the way to hinder relationship with him. The God that enacted this covenant that put in place the law, that knew that we could not keep it, always had the plan to make sure that nothing would stand in the way of our relationship with him. And so Jesus, God in the flesh, steps in and he puts on human flesh. Now this is making more sense. Human sacrifice for human offenses. But no human on earth would ever be good enough. So it would take God becoming a man for our sake. God preparing a body for our sake. So we walk in and we see that God, as the psalmist is writing, God no longer desires these sacrifices because sacrifices were a reminder of sin in verse 3, right? We understand that there is still that, un, that, that taintedness behind even the animal sacrifices. What God was saying at that moment was, I, I am tired of the sacrifice that makes up for your disobedience. I'm tired of the punishment that has to be paid because of your wrongdoing. 
So what will we do, God? And his loving action steps in and says, I'll take care of it. He prepares his son. So Jesus comes to earth in human flesh and he lives the life that we cannot live. Tempted by sin, but resisting the devil. Going through suffering and pain like any one of us here. And never looking away from the Father. He did what we could not do. By living the life we could not. Knowing that he would willingly go to a cross. Let me go to the altar of sacrifice. They would build these small stone altars. And what they would do is they would prepare a place so that they can uh, slaughter the animal. They can sacrifice this animal. And so the same way that the law demanded that there be an altar built so that there could be a sacrifice, Jesus willingly went to the altar that, that was a cross. And he willingly went to the cross and allowed his hands and his feet to be pierced. Because he knew that there was nothing greater than the removal of sin so that my children can have a full relationship with me. I love them so much that I will experience the ultimate pain for their sake. This permanent solution named Jesus was much different than what we had. Animals didn't willingly wake up and say, hey, let's go. I'm ready to get slaughtered for your sake. Kill me now. No. The animal sacrifice was so impersonal. Where this permanent solution, this permanent sacrifice, this beautiful blessing of the cross was so personal. Your name on God's heart moving him to take on the most horrific death we could imagine. Our God loved us enough to be the permanent solution so that nothing could stand in the way of relationship with him. When we look at verse 7, Jesus speaking, he says, Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. We can't overlook God's willingness for our sake. What a love that is to willingly go before somebody else on their behalf for their sake. But if you meet me in verse 11, there's some trust that we have here. This sacrifice being a permanent solution, I, I need to know that it is real. This sounds amazing, but how, how do I know that this is really what he came to do? And it brings us back to something that the book of Hebrews has talked about over and over again. And it says it this way, And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly that same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. Twelve, but when Christ had offered for all time, a single sacrifice for sin, he sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus sitting down was one of the greatest statements that you and I could ever have heard. This was not a possible solution. This wasn't something that was going to wear off. This was permanent. So much so that our now new high priest did something that no other high priest could ever do. In the presence of God, he sits down. Meaning it's done. It is finished. There is no worry that I still got to get myself together. 
I still got to make it happen. If only that I can stand before God and he can look at me and say, that truly is my son because they do a bunch of good stuff. That doesn't have to be the story anymore. Because of that permanent solution, as verse 3 says, wouldn't they, wouldn't they not have a consciousness of sin? Because of that permanent solution, we can stand in a place and know that our sin has been dealt with. I need that. No matter how much time you study, no much... No, no matter what your degree in, if it's in a Bible college or anything of that nature, no, long, no matter how long you've done ministry, I need to know that I can stand before God, not because of me, but because of him. I don't have to perform and put it all together. There is a God that has moved in love and has loved me beyond my understanding. This permanent solution was saturated in grace. God giving us something we do not deserve. And what a statement he made by taking a seat to remind us. I have certainly done it for you. It is done. When we read those scriptures throughout the New Testament that says our uh, Jesus sits in heaven at the right hand of the, of the Father. It is a reminder that there is nothing that can keep us from our God. We can respond differently because of this permanent solution. I learn a lot from my daughter. That whole debt thing really makes me laugh because when my daughter isn't in debt because she has chores and she owes money and stuff like that because she likes to spend her money. When we walk into a space and she is allowed to get something, when she understands, to, to, to Scarlett's little mind, dad has all the money in the world. <laughs> I don't know why she thinks that, but that's, that's how she acts. When it's her money, she's strategic. She goes and she, she begins to pick and weigh options. She acts different. Pondering, what can I get? What, what can I do? How can I make the most of this? It, it wears her down. But when she walks in with dad's money, she'll walk into Target and be like, how much? For the whole, the whole place. Let, let's get this. Why just a store? Why a toy? Just let's get the whole store and we'll just, we'll be happy there, right? To her, it's something permanent. When we have something of such solid ground, it will affect the way we act, it will affect the way we live, the way we talk. So believer in the room, I need you to understand that your God has given his life for your sake on a cross, but he has sat down at the right hand of the Father, meaning it is all good. It is all taken care of. Do not walk in tension with your God, but walk in a place of gratitude, a space of just awe and wonder and thanking of God. Not because of what you bring to the table, but because of what he brought to the table once and for all. Jesus sat down because he said, I don't got to do it again. I've satisfied everything that needs to be satisfied. For your and my, my sake alike. So this temporary system gets met by a permanent solution and it brings about this thing called a beautiful salvation. A beautiful salvation. And before we get into that salvation, I want to remind you, go to your God. 
spend time with him like a child that has no reason to be ashamed or hurt, worried of rejection. When a child has done wrong, they tend to respond differently to their parent. But when they understand that wrong has been dealt with, there is nothing but space for love and engagement. So as you see this permanent solution, believe a run to your father. Run to your God that has removed every barrier for you to be able to come to him freely. Because our time in prayer, our time in the word, was paid with a body. Don't just take it for granted because it costs Jesus everything. And because of that sacrifice, we have a beautiful salvation. When we get to the space of looking at verse 13, after we understand that he has sat at the right hand of God, making known that the work is finished, we are told this beautiful truth, and it says in verse 14, for by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. That's a deep word, sanctified. What that just means is those people that believe in Jesus and are in a process of looking more like Jesus every day. I don't know about y'all, but that means me. I believe in Jesus, but every day I'm trying to look more and more like him. Because the more time I spend around God, the more I realize ain't nothing pretty in me. God, I need you. And what an insurance to be told because of what Jesus has done he has made perfect for all time, past, present, future, those who are being sanctified. We have been saved from our wrongdoing. We have been no longer accountable for the needed payment, the needed punishment of our sins. What that means for you and me, my brother, my sister, is that this gift that has been given to us, this saving grace that has been given to us, it wasn't earned by us, nor does it need to be kept and maintained by us. This beautiful salvation comes with the guarantee that we are good to the end. It's the promise that we hear in the New Testament out of the book of Philippians that says, God is faithful to complete the work he started in us. It's this beautiful reminder that not now, not never, there's no backstepping into a space that will separate us from God but he has perfected us. That means we get to stand in that righteousness of Christ. The law demanded a perfect, righteous requirement. Jesus met it. And so when God looks at us, he looks at us and he does not see us in our sinfulness. He sees Jesus in his righteousness. The theologian Martin Luther calls that the great exchange. Jesus exchanged his righteousness for our sinfulness. And when, Jesus, when, when God the Father looks down at us specifically, whether he looked at you last week, whether he's looking at you right now, or he's going to look at you next week, he's looking at you all the time, no matter when he looks at you, because of this sacrifice, he sees perfection. Not because you did it, because Jesus alone has done it. And we get to stand 
in that space. A beautiful salvation. One thing I find interesting is that when, if you've ever watched a draft on a sport, a sporting event or something of that nature, these are young guys that are stepping into a place and um, they don't, they haven't done much yet. They haven't done much in the sense of walking into the professional level, but they have cars, they have houses, they have chains that make it look like they've done a lot. They've done a lot. And what happens is these future professional athletes have been given and treated a certain way because of their potential. That draft pick is given loans that no one in this room would probably be able to get. We're talking millions of dollars just given to them because of what they're going to be one day. And sometimes it comes crashing down and they never make it. But that always intrigues me. Because to me, that's a picture of the gospel. God looking at us, but here's the difference. He doesn't look at us for our potential. He looks at us for the guarantee that is already there in his son that has been given. (sighs) Treated better than we ever deserve to be treated. And what awaits us now is this beautiful reminder that we see in verse 14 that talks about what happens after that, right? This, this, we have been perfected, those who are in a process. So guess what? If you mess up, you're still good. By faith and faith alone in Jesus Christ, if you are not standing on your own merit, when you fall and the many times you fall on your face, you are still good. Not on your doing, but on the basis of this sacrifice. Because he has done what no animal could do. I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. We are treated better than we deserve to be treated. We no longer live bound to our sin because Christ has paid for that. Do you know that, brother, sister? Family, listen to me. Your sin has been dealt with on the cross. You are no longer bound by those things that have had you in the past. You don't have to continue to give yourself over because guess what? Christ paid for that. You don't have to earn your good graces with God because Christ has guaranteed that. And so this morning as we understand this beautiful salvation, this beautiful reminder that God will not remember our sins or our lawless deeds anymore. We're also reminded that he will write his law on our hearts and our minds. And we have now become, by God's grace, his people in a process, in sanctification, to look more and more like Jesus. This knowing that this goodness that God has given us is what satisfies. Knowing that this goodness is what we all desire. that you and I can have an unhindered, full, authentic relationship with God that has been purchased, secured by God himself. So this morning, family, as I wrap this, as I close this up, when we understand that this temporary system of the law has been fulfilled by the permanent solution of who Jesus is, We understand that we have been gifted this beautiful salvation. God has rescued us from ourselves and guaranteed that we are good to the very end. So you and I, 
as I encourage you today, let us lay down our guilt and shame of sin. Because when you and I live in a space of holding on to our sin, we make little of this sacrifice that costs Jesus everything. Let us lay down our disobedience. Let us lay down the dark spaces that we have found ourselves in and be reassured and reminded that Jesus steps into the darkest of places and through faith illuminates our life with the light. This is the sacrifice, Jesus' sacrifice, that has done more than what the law could ever do by fully forgiving our sins. I pray and I hope that as you go out through your days that you would be reminded that sin has no ability to keep you from your God because simply Jesus is the better sacrifice. Amen? Pray with me as we get ready for our time in communion. Heavenly Father, we thank you that it is not by our merit, it is not by our good doing, it is not by the, the rat race of keeping up with all the things that we need to do so that you would like us, approve us, love us, or even want us. The truth of the gospel is that you have loved us beyond our understanding. And when there was no way of us able to keep a relationship with you, you stepped in to guarantee that we would have a relationship with you. God, we pray this in your mighty name, Jesus, the one who has given it all for us, the one who is the better sacrifice. And as a church together, we say amen. Amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.